0: Hey, Mr. Eastwood. Uh, Thanks for coming in today.
1: Get out of my way. I gotta get this thing done.
0: Okay, alright. Well, as you know, you know, Gran Torino, great film, you know, getting a lot of buzz, you know, for the Oscars. And I I think people are really going to enjoy seeing it on basic cable. It's just, uh, how do you say? There's a lot of colorful language in this film and our basic cable partners like tnt have asked that we maybe clean it up a little bit you know kind of kind of come up with some uh alternatives to some of the i words. mean those pussies uh, uh yeah yes uh well so uh, we've got a couple of words that we'd like you to dub over and then we'll 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 put that in the movie, you know, in place of the words that you actually say. So, oh, you don't like what I said? Uh, I am doing my job. <laughs> just,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, get out, get out of my way. I okay. know what you all want. i figured figure it out.
0: Okay, so uh, here's a scene early on in the movie where you're uh, talking to Tao. Um, so just go ahead and do the line with uh, just and the, the the new word that we put in there for you.
1: Okay. <clears throat> How many blender faces can they figure out at a party?
0: Oh, okay. I mean, that wasn't what we had down. But, I, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys had this
1: dumb little sheet in front of me, but I figured I'd just okay. i just go for it. You know,
0: I'm the actor. I mean, I'm, I'm I, the improviser, the artist. I still feel offended, even though I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to the next line. And uh, this this scene, you say. And and so you know we we'd like to maybe find an alternative for that. So let's let's go ahead and see what you got.
1: <clears throat> Get out of my way, House Slipper.
0: Oh, somehow that sounds worse. Um. Well, okay. Yeah, well, it's supposed yeah. to sound bad. It's not supposed to sound good. Like why would
1: why would I? I run around this movie, call, calling everybody this and that. Oh, uh, well, why wouldn't it sound oh, bad? I suppose oh, it sounds bad. That's cal- the movie.
0: Calm, calm down, Mr. Eastwood. It's, it's okay. Uh, uh, we've got one more line for you to do here. So this is the scene at the end uh, where you're confronting the gang members and you, you call them all... <laughs> and so, you know, maybe you could find a different way to say that. Uh, go ahead and, and try the line.
1: You want to try your luck, snooker chalk?
0: Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> okay. Mr. Eastwood, are you just looking around the room and making up words
1: you know what you know what i've had enough of this short round i'm out of here get out of my way microphone oh well
0: you know good enough
2: you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.
1: You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save
0: us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is a show where we deconstruct these white saver films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And we have no time to waste today because a very special guest with us that we're super excited to talk to. You might That's know right. him from... The Buckwild Warning Show. If you uh, listen on 957 I ain't worked there in 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> his acclaimed specials like Father Taking Figure, Most Recently Imperfect Messenger, uh, his work as a correspondent on The Daily Show, his hilarious and insightful podcast about the world of employment, versus Job Fair, and The Reason That You Couldn't Get Juneteenth Ice Cream from Walmart. Uh, that was his movie, Confess <laughs> <laughs> We don't have time to debate it. We don't always have time to debate. <laughs> His new movie Confess Fletch is in theaters and available to stream now. This is Roy Wood Jr. Roy, well, hello, hello, us.
3: boys. Yeah,
2: thank you, man. How's it going? Thank
3: you, thank you for letting me <laughs> destroy white people. White people say, "Why y'all sent me a research doc?" Uh, this is just inside baseball for the listeners. Like the way these these yeah. fine gentlemen do their research, they they have a list of films that meet the profile and criteria, you all could do this podcast for the next 12 years. I, that The yeah. research that you did in pulling all of those different films, bravo. And they keep dropping a couple of new ones every year. I know. So.
0: I mean, it literally grows by the day. I mean, the, the star of this film dropped one last year. So it's uh, <laughs> he's not it's done. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I picked this film because Clint Eastwood was mean to us one time. On the Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> like just like in passing yeah, or just it was, like it was
2: justified. Like Did he did he call you a spook?
3: No. <laughs> but you know, it to be fair, I was out there with an Asian, so I don't know if he saw like Unity. <laughs> no, so I don't know what they were shooting on the Warner Brothers lot or what why Clint Swift was there, but at the time I was on a television show on TBS called Sullivan and Son. And so our thing like it was a multi camera so like you live on set all day like nine, ten mm-hmm. hours a day so it's it's kind of like yeah. high school where you get a break in the middle of the day and it really is like recess so we play tag two and touch football in the middle of the street in the middle of a major studio okay. we are clearly in the wrong <laughs> i am not we were clearly in the wrong (laughs) and a nice I don't remember what the car was but a nice vintage car turned the corner as a long 70 yard bomb was being thrown Mm. and the ball over it overshot the receiver and it landed smack in the windshield of one Clint Eastwood's car (laughs) and you know, like Dale. normally, like as a kid, when you played in the street and you accidentally hit a a, car, a parked car, yes, or the you're playing baseball and the baseball cracks a window and there's that huh? For sure. moment, yeah. it was that I felt it. Like I don't like this is yeah. that. That's how good of an actor Clint Eastwood is. I thought he had that pistol on him, like right <laughs> then. I thought he, I thought he's gonna pull out and do the Grand Torino fingers and point the fingers <laughs> at me. It, <laughs> but yeah and so he rolls by he looks at us and, and it's no harm no foul we didn't damage his vehicle Yeah. two minutes later Warner Brothers Security and mind you we've been playing for weeks on the lot no yeah. problem but on that day Warner Brothers Security oddly had a problem and that was the last time we ever played football
0: he, I can yeah I could I get the vibe I mean like I don't know when the last time Clint Eastwood has anybody living by him who like threw a ball in his yard, but like that's no. that's the dude that you just that ball that's gone. You don't, it was you don't get
3: justified. That it was it was a very justified call to security. <laughs> you motherfuckers is out here playing ball, and you shouldn't be playing ball. We're here to make TV. Take your stupid ass inside the goddamn soundstage. <laughs> it's not fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: as as you could tell, we are talking about Grant Torino today, which was. Directed and starred Clint Eastwood. It came out uh, around 2008. And 2008, what, yeah. Wow. It, it was supposed to be the year that racism ended, but this was the movie that Psych. was like, nah,
2: we're going to keep that no. rolling for a, <laughs> a little bit longer. Was, Clint Eastwood <laughs> heard racism when was ending. He was like, uh uh-uh, uh uh, let me get mm, the gun. Not, not on my time. Let me get the gun. Where's uh, it at? Written,
0: <laughs> it's written by a first time screenwriter, uh, Nick Schenk, and his friend Dave Johansson. And he says based on experiences that he had working in a VHS factory in Minneapolis with uh, a lot of people from the Hmong community who are like an ethnic group that come from Laos and Vietnam and China mm. and Thailand. And he wrote this story, not about them, but about a racist white man <laughs> who doesn't like them very much and learns to tolerate them at the very least. And they, they, Transferred That's... it over to Detroit uh, because Michigan was like, we got tax yeah, credits. Yeah, there now. was so tax like, credits right, before they we'll got do shut down yeah. <laughs> they had a new
3: governor. Republican governor came in and turned yeah. off mm-hmm. the faucet. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but it it stars a lot of, like, Hmong, like, first-time actors. So there's uh, B. Vaughn, uh, there's Ane Her, and they're basically, like, the, the main stars of the film along with Clint Eastwood. The mm-hmm. movie had a budget of about $33 million, but the box office mm-hmm. was $270 million. So people love Whoa. Gran Torino a lot. Uh, I'm going to do a real quick synopsis for people who haven't seen this movie. This was the first I time
3: I I didn't mind Gran Torino. Like in the biggest scheme, do your thing first. I'm coming here fucking up your show. Do, do, the, do the order <laughs> okay. of your show, and then I'll tell you.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll run this real quick uh, for everybody. So the story follows Walt Kowalski, who is a widowed Korean War veteran in the 70s. He's estranged from his children, his grandchildren. Uh, he's just basically like a, like a shut-in in his house. And the Highland Park neighborhood he lives in has changed over the last couple of years. Uh, the Hmong population, like I said, this ethnic group that comes from all different parts of Southeast Asia, they moved in, uh, including the family next door, which is Tao and Sue, who are these two teenage siblings. Don't forget Tao, Grandma.
1: Grandma's there. Mom is there. A bunch of
0: people are in the house. Uh, uh, Shaman? Tao is is, (laughs) this this bookish type who is uh, really just trying to stay out the way, but his cousin Spider is... And so uh, he's getting pressured to join this gang, and the initiation that they want him to do is to steal Walt's 72 Gran Torino, which everybody in the movie can't stop talking about uh so he tries to do it but he can't walt runs him off almost kills him uh but then the spider and his crew come back the next day basically trying to kidnap tao but walt also runs them off more concerned about property damage than really anything else but that sets the movie into motion where he starts to grow closer to you know tao and sue and the monk community. While still being super racist mm-hmm. to everybody he meets, I don't think he has a scene in the movie that doesn't include a racial
3: slur towards somebody. Did he, did he say it <laughs> on oh, slurs, or was it just like that Clint Eastwood scowl where you know he's thinking it? <laughs> oh, there's
0: a super, there's a supercut of all the slurs he said in the movie, and it's like, <laughs> f- it's like four minutes. <laughs> oh, I need that. I need that. No, you don't. <laughs> But we also learn that he's got a terminal illness. He's coughing up blood all the time. And so things kind of come to a head where Spider keeps messing with Tao. Um, and eventually, Clint Eastwood has had enough. He goes up to Tao. Um, not, not goes up to Tao. He goes up to Spider and basically is telling him.
3: It concerns me a little bit. You know what I mean? But, you know, I, I packed that thing, too. So he come around this way. You will get caught.
0: Right. It, so Spider's like, all right, you know, if that's how it's going to be, he goes by Tao's house, he, he lights the house up, they shoot it up, they brutally rape Sue. Uh, and then Clint Eastwood is like, all right, everything's ending tonight. He puts his affairs in order, locks Tao in the basement, he goes to confront the gang on their porch, <coughs> he does his finger guns. Um, and then he goes to reach into his jacket, but he doesn't have a gun, he just has a lighter. Uh, and it was basically a whole setup. Suicide setup, I guess, by him to get the gang to murder him, get arrested by the cops, and then uh, uh, the, he's a hero to the monk community, a hero to Tao and his family.
2: He leaves a racist will that uh, leaves Tao, <laughs> best scene in Tao the movie. By the way, way best scene in the movie. I don't give a damn. This uh, guy was like, uh, I'm going to read this <laughs> to you. Just it's not it's not me though. So it's not
0: me though. Don't take it personal. But I'm uh, gonna read it and Tal gets the gran torino and everything is fine i guess yeah, you that's get to watch uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> traffic well, did, for well, three minutes
3: I, I can't remember if you said it just now but like in the middle of act two he actually does pull a gun on the gangbangers which is yeah. why yeah. at the end they're anticipating a gun yeah and it's a yeah. lighter he, he he basically black police brutality himself <laughs>
2: suicide by cop instead.
3: oh shit it's a lighter
2: damn it now we gotta arrest people
3: here's why I didn't mind Gran Torino it is a white savior film it is a white dude trying to do good and the story is centered on a racist trying to do a good deed before he go see Jesus I get that (laughs) but this one actually died and (laughs) In so many other white savior films, they live and they go on to have a regular. And now, with my new lesson, I will start my family and always remember my black friend who I'll never see again. Clint Eastwood said, "Fuck it, I'm out. You can have the car. I'm done." Like, like it's it's not even so much as him changing as a character as much as it it's just him putting a little tip in the in the Asian jar on the way out the door. <laughs> like, he didn't go work for Asian Defamation League. He didn't hashtag stop Asian no. hate. He just like, you know what, that one kid, I saw him. Yeah, that was the other thing. He saw the kid doing nice gestures around the neighborhood. Yeah. And so he felt that the kid had some character, and that was part of why he pulled him under his under you know it, it, like it's very he much was one of the good ones yes that's that's literally <laughs> what it is it was well yeah. i don't know about all these other asians but that one <laughs> all right you can have my car but, all
2: right, but, no but Tao <laughs> f- i'm gonna call you Toe for the rest of the movie too i'm right, not even gonna couldn't call get you this his name, name right
0: couldn't get his name right yeah. couldn't get anybody's name right i i think i mean here's here's the main crux i think that we want to get into and discuss because like is the point of this movie white forgiveness Right? Like is that what the movie is about? Because in so many of these films that we've seen, it seems like specifically when you have a character who's like, Oh, I don't know about these other ethnic groups, I don't know about the blacks or, you know, Asian people or, you know, whatever it is, whoever's the star of the movie, Mm -hmm. like what ultimately happens is because of the star of the movie, they want us to Forgive them. They want us to see. Oh, they've changed, and this applies to white people in real life, where it seems like instead of doing any actual work, any actual you know atonement or like putting in any restorative work in the communities that have been harmed, they're like, well, how quickly can we just make this go away, (laughs) and then we're and then we're good, you (laughs) know what I mean? And it seems like the the point of Clint Eastwood, like he dies in the movie, right? But it almost seems like out of spite. So that his granddaughter can't get the Gran Torino, right? Like it's like he yeah. goes
3: out his way, like
0: even in his because even in his death, it's they like, thought they
3: were gonna get the car. They were sitting there rubbing nah. hands, after <laughs> the was, yeah, still reading,
2: <laughs> chomping at the bit,
3: yeah.
0: But even in his that it's, it's like it's like I can um, erase all of the things that people thought about me before from this one heroic act that I do to end my life. And so people won't remember me as the racist guy across the street who just called everybody slurs. They'll remember me as the guy who put several teenagers in jail
3: for murder. Instead of sending them not before being turned into Swiss cheese. (laughs)
2: Look,
3: I, I, I don't. (laughs) All right, a little extreme to set kids up for murder, but you got to respect that you kill yourself it's like yeah <laughs> takes a lot of guts I'm not sure if this is did you even try calling the police first at all at no point did he call the police no one <laughs> now here's the question though does he do
0: that if he doesn't have a terminal illness is he is he is he willing to sacrifice his life if he's not going to die not. Presumably absolutely. Absolutely. anyways <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> So how does that movie end if he's like...
2: You
3: <laughs> snipe him from your second floor sniper <laughs> roof that you set up, and the next time they roll by...
2: It's American <laughs> Sniper the prequel. Yeah,
3: like you go full DC Sniper on him. You get a caprice, you hollow out the trunk lock, and you lay in the back of that trunk in that back seat, and you <laughs> wait for them to cruise by in their little Fast and Furious vehicle.
2: Wait, no, no, no. The Honda Civic with the spoiler on it, by the way. Oh, Very yes, specific yes, choice. Yes. Production design was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I know what they're
3: gonna drive. I don't think he makes that same choice if he doesn't have the terminal illness. I don't I think he might have saw some good in that one kid and maybe that made him turn on his family. But this dude Clint Eastwood's character in that film clearly had like fucking demons. It was like dealing with all types of stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because when you think about what the screenwriter talks about is kind of the intent of the movie is kind of centering among people, like giving them a platform, putting them in the spotlight, showing their culture. Like it's, it's just weird to think in the effort to do that, we will relentlessly call them racial slurs Mm -hmm. (laughs) every time they're on screen. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just wondering like what, what, the intent behind that could have been because, like, I I understand in the sense of, and this is just the way that Hollywood works a lot of the time, they don't believe that stories about minorities, by minorities, starring minorities will rake in all no the money, money and be, you know, these big productions. Yeah. So, you know, you get Clint Eastwood and, you know, you have him direct it and that's, like, a big deal because he was about to retire um, after a Million Dollar Baby, like that was going to be maybe his last movie. And so he comes back to do this. And I have to wonder, like Clint Eastwood, if we want to talk about him briefly, just his uh, <laughs> his past and some of the things that he's been in, specifically, let's say like Dirty Harry, this is reminiscent of that, you know what I mean? In, in terms of him just kind of being...
3: Gritty grouch. Yeah.
0: yeah, and the guy who's willing to do the things that even the police aren't willing to do you know he's willing to go to the extremes necessary to clean up what he very much so believes is his neighborhood right like all of these people who have moved in here don't really belong here you know i mean he's been here longer he he he's (laughs) lived here his whole life more or less um and that's kind of how he's viewing everybody and still it feels like even through all the things that he does and says we're just supposed to because like we're
2: supposed to smile. I, we're supposed to smile along with that. It's supposed to be cute, honestly.
0: It's supposed to be cute, and Clint Eastwood has like called the script like heartfelt and humorous. And I was like,
3: <laughs> Where sense of humor? Where the humor? Uh, <laughs> Where's the,
0: did either of you laugh during this movie at all, or were you just kind of like
3: stuck? I would. <laughs> I would have to go back and remember. Um I do find it interesting as I scroll through IMDb to see what various awards Gran Torino was nominated for. Uh, the AARP mm-hmm. nominated it as a movie for grown-ups award.
1: I, I like the way he called everybody the way they're supposed to be called. That's right. I like that.
2: <laughs> All the ballots
1: were like a hundred percent. I love it.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't recall laughing. Um, no, <laughs> I, I'm sure there was like some humor chuckle moment. Oh, I know when I laughed. Um, there's a scene where he's riding around um, with his mentee. And um, yep. I think there's two black gangbangers or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know one of them was played by Corey Hardick. Yeah. Forgive me if I mispronounce the name. A husband and- of one of the Maori twins. I do not know them apart. I don't know if it was the one with the beret or the one with the hat. But <laughs> that's how I separate them. Yeah, that's, that's, were, you the, was, were you the were you the beret one? There was a beret to the left and a beret to the right. I don't remember which beret sister it
2: was. Put but, on this beret. Put it on naturally. <laughs> Just don't think about it.
3: Um he got out to, there's a scene in Gran Torino where Clint Eastwood's character gets out of a truck to talk shit to some black gangbangers that are fucking with someone. And then he calls them both spooks.
2: Yep. Yeah. He, they're fucking with Sue. They're fucking with Sue. Yeah, okay. Who's well, giving him, like, a little bit of lip. Like, oh, you guys, <laughs> you're obviously yeah. not cool enough to hang on that corner. But they Why were, like, you...
3: bothered. But it was, like, in a weird, and I know this is either a script or a director choice, but it was, like, one of those weird 80s, Gang scenes where you can't tell—are they robbing her? Are they trying to assault her? Are they just teasing? Yeah, her? like what's their actual intention? Yeah, what is your purpose here? And, and Clint Eastwood <laughs> got out that car and called them niggas spooks, and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I fucking paused the video, and, <laughs> and the look on Corey Hardick's face. I, if i ever meet this brother i'm going to i promise i'm going to ask him was that in the script or did Clint just improvise an old spook out of his back pocket to, to make it realistic
1: I mean,
3: <laughs> he was digging like some of the slurs
0: that
2: he was pulling was out i was like old school Okay. it was old school the one that i just i was like zipperhead i was like bro what is- what are you doing was, man like i was waiting
0: on moon cricket like he didn't quite get that far down the, the, <laughs> the <laughs> slurred tree. Yeah, but just even like
2: hearing that one is is hilarious to me that's that one's just funny on entry like you could call me a moon cricket i'd probably laugh at you
3: <laughs> yeah it was it was it was not that i laugh at indecent stuff because i'm a comedian and i have a dark sense of humor <laughs> but the sure. he said spook, and the camera cut back to Corey's face like he didn't even take him seriously. Because <laughs> it's the well, perfect slur. Like, it's the slur, if someone <laughs> called you as a black person, today, if you're walking down the street, and somebody called you a spook, you would even take it seriously. You'd be like, what? <laughs> I'd probably be like, ooga booga, <laughs> bye. <laughs> well, it's
0: interesting because there's certain lines in the movie that uh b vang who played Tao, who's been very vocal and adamant about like not only just regretting about being in gran torino but like <laughs> saying gran torino has been responsible for part of you know the the wave of asian anti-asian violence and hate specifically you know in covet really now that's
3: um, wow i didn't know
2: that it's a stretch, I
0: feel yeah, like, he's, a little bit. Yeah, he said... But... W- well, he was saying, and he was saying this to Slash Film, I never thought I would try out for the movie. I heard the story and the sides the excerpts from the script that were used for auditions, and I was just really repulsed by what I read. I tried to make sense of the characters and the lines, but there were things I couldn't figure out about the relations between Walt and the Hmong characters. For instance, at some point, Tao tells Walt to go ahead. I don't care if you insult me or say racist things because you know what? I'll take it. And I didn't understand why a character like Tao would say that or why he wouldn't object to being insulted. What does taking it even mean? What was intended by the screenwriter? Or was that just careless writing, right?
3: Well, that's a great point.
0: And... I think that's one of the things there's two lines there's that line and there's another line where sue was talking to him about him being a father figure for them and Mm -hmm. how their own father was like negligent and really like traditional but he's different because he's an american and walt says what does that mean and then that's the end of the conversation (laughs) (laughs) like they never follow up on that and i'm like the screenwriters were looking at each other like you want to talk about that he's trying to say (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but there's some very intentional stuff here in the script that kind of tries to glance over like this constant barrage of him saying wild and crazy things to people all the time and i i do question specifically that line like you can say racist things to me. I'll take it because I want to prove to you that I'm not afraid of yeah. racism. I don't really know what the point of that is. Because even before that, right, the thing that threw me off, and as a father, right, like, I, I'm sure, walk me through this scenario, right? Your son has gone and done something that you obviously don't approve of, right? But the person that he did this to pointed a gun at them, almost shot them, came on your lawn pointed a gun at you and then your decision is I want my son to spend unsupervised time (laughs) with this person for a week
3: (laughs) to do yes go over there and learn build some character get you some character
0: (laughs) like that was just a wild moment where I was just like you know he's racist like you know he's you know he's racist and you know he almost shot your son I mean, and he takes him, him on to- a
2: racist training cent- session like <laughs> to the barbershop. He was like, Ca- call this guy uh, a, a <laughs> guinea or whatever. And I was just like, oh, whoa.
3: My grandmother's neighbor in Clarksville, Mississippi right across the street from her, she had two crab apple trees. And if we timed it right, we could tell when she was taking a nap and we will hop <laughs> the fence because she would leave her window. It's Mississippi in the summer. You leave your windows yeah. open, air, and all this stuff. So we, you could look in a window and just see her clearly lying down. We'd hop the tree. Somebody would climb up to get the crab apples. Another person would just stand under with the bag, and they would just shake the tree and drop these crab apples. And she kicked open that fucking back screen door one day. <laughs> Double barrel. You let them fast got it. gone I never had another crab apple from that woman's back (laughs) let alone go and get the old mentorship program (laughs) (laughs) big brothers big sisters of Detroit would like to pair you with an old racist (laughs) we found a match for your son ma'am. good news he loves these words
0: Well, let's, let's think a little bit about if there's even a way to remake Gran Torino and what that would be, because I think one of the things that I keyed in on that they just glossed over, I mean, one, on the show, anytime there's gangbanging, right, it, we always like to remind people that like people don't join gangs for fun. Like It's not a good time. It's not it's a not fun cute. time. It's usually out of just desperation Something was and for wrong. protection in their yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. So, like, the fact that Clint Eastwood, like you are saying, was like, well, this one's cool, but I don't, the rest of them, you're like, how can I either murder them or (laughs) set them up for murder? No, no forgiveness for me, no forgiveness for them, right? Like, I want the forgiveness, but I'm not willing to lend that to teenagers.
3: Uh, (laughs) Number one, it's Delroy Lindo as the lead. Okay. That's the only thing I'm sure of that it's Delroy Mundo. Because in just every movie, he just has that father face. Oh,
2: my God. I mean, I thought Um, he was my father after seeing Crooklyn. I was like, oh, why wasn't he in the bathroom when I was trying to take a shit that one day? (laughs) I,
3: fuck, Well, first off, what's the plot? If we're remaking it, what? Is it
2: reverse? Is it directly
3: reverse? I think no matter what, whoever's getting bullied has the one that's actively trying to stand up to the bullies. And then mm-hmm. old man intervenes and dies. So that it's less of a story because if we're talking about white saviors, then it just the concept of a white savior, it's overtaking the narrative of the of the minority person of the minority person's story. So you have to tell the whole story yeah, mm-hmm. from the minority person's mm-hmm. POV. But for Gran Torino, I mean, what was interesting about how do we make him more interesting as a person? Because he got his ass whooped by some gangbangers, he got a gun pulled on by a racist, and then he had to do a bunch of karate kid chores for the next 40 pages. (laughs) So what's, because I feel like a kid that's more proactive, maybe he would have stood up to the bullies and wouldn't need the old man, and he would have just got shot dead on page 10. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well i i think part of it too is they kind of talk about this and don't explore it in any real way but like a lot of the the Hmong people like came over here because they sided with the u.s and vietnam and After then vietnam yeah. became refugees <laughs> and then had to flee the country and right. so having somebody who is from that community who went through that experience who had to flee the country who fought you know for the u.s but then ultimately like had to leave their home And now is in America, which isn't their home, you know, but they're trying to make it that way. And they're seeing this kid who is an American, you know, trying to figure out what that means. And it could be more of a story of both of them trying to figure out what it means for them to either be American or live in America. Okay,
3: but So then you're talking about making the old man an Asian and he's educating the young white kid who's getting bullied. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> then do you kill an old Asian man in exchange for a white kid? The, how does the Black Twitter is not gonna like that? There's, you know, uh, I,
1: you
3: know I, why he dying for that white boy? You,
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We never really need anybody to die specifically in yeah. a bullet like this, you know. Like he somebody could, has he could to die. die See, sleep.
3: that's the thing. So you trying to <laughs> you trying to remake this shit like. <laughs> Like that's why I, that's why I will always respect the JJ Abrams era Star Trek when they did Wrath of Khan.
0: Yeah.
3: And instead of Spock dying, it was Kirk who died. And of course they you know, they tweaked and remade but Kirk
2: died. You, yep. you,
3: you got to give me some somebody got to die in the front yard, baby. I'm sorry. I can't approve this script. It ain't grand <laughs> Torino unless somebody die and get the car. Somebody somebody got to get the car. That's
1: true.
2: Right. So okay what's wild is like the the car is like so little screen time <laughs> for the car. i well, mean they try what? to steal it it sits back there <laughs> it's like a metaphor is it a meta what's it a metaphor for <laughs>
0: well what's wild is that Tao now owns a 72 gran torino that he probably cannot <laughs> keep up in any way. He does way. not have the
2: capabilities. He's got to make
0: car payments. He's got to make uh, insurance payments. They My barely nigga didn't even know what fan. tools
2: were, bro. <laughs> he went to that hardware store. He was like, what What do I do? What do I do, old man? Help me. I don't know how this is going to play out for him, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen? What's going to happen when his brake line tears?
3: Okay, then what about a sequel? Instead of a remake, what if it's a sequel? Mm-hmm. And Tao not nah, because as we all know with gangs, um, if that crew has been taken off the block, then their territory mm-hmm. is vacated, and there's going to be a battle for that territory. And right next, in the middle of this new game battleground is a shiny brand-new fucking grand mm. arena <laughs> that someone's going to come and try and steal. Now let's see if you got some balls. There you go. <laughs> Walt tried to get you balls the whole first movie, so now the second movie... It's him defending the Grand Torino against whoever the fuck, and then he dies, and then he passes the Grand Torino on to his sister or someone oh, sure. like there has to be.
2: I imagine, like, uh, Clint Eastwood well, maybe showing it's the up. The old
3: lady like... across the street,
2: <laughs> the, oh, the grandma.
0: Well, well, I wonder, yeah. Yeah, are we just we're just playing keep away from Walt's Walt's granddaughter? Basically, it's like the, the Grand Torino keeps getting passed down. <laughs> so <laughs> so when she grows like, up, she becomes yeah. like the DA for yeah.
2: for the state or something like that, and she just like makes this <laughs> wild ass law where it's like, in an order for I don't know pedestrian yeah. sidewalks to exist, <laughs> I need the 1972 Grand Torino that my grandfather wouldn't let me have. Very
0: quickly, let's let's run through what this got on all the the different aggregate sites. So IMDb, this has an 8.1, which puts it at 169 in their top 200 movies on rotten tomatoes. It's got 81% and a 90% audience score. And on Amazon, of course, it's got five stars, baby. Always. Yeah, um, Amazon, so, <laughs> Amazon
2: coming through. There's no ratings. Amazon. Site. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but we have to put this on our caucasity ranking scale. So we're, we're running through our three levels of caucasity. The okay. first level is shorts in the winter, right? We're not quite there yet. We're getting close, but coming back around. You know, like you got your shorts in the summertime, you're rocking around, you went to pack sun, you feel good. <laughs> now, now it's winter though, you know, like the okay. the the thermometer is definitely telling you that it's close to 0 and yet you still insist on the shorts. You still insist on the sandals. You have like a like a North Face on. So you know that part of you is cold, but the legs, I guess, just never, it never gets that low. But this is basically the level where it's not hurting me. I just have questions, right? I'm curious why you're making this decision. I don't really understand what's happening here, uh, but I'm just glad that you left me out of it. Cameron, what's the second level?
2: Uh, Second level on the caucasity scale is uh, this movie is touching my hair. So now now this movie has... It's invading Boulder. your space, bolder <laughs> yeah. invading your space. It has entered your space. It wanted to learn about you, but instead of asking you politely, it was like, yeah. "No, I want to know now." Yeah, and that's yeah. a violent act. That's an that's an act against you. That's a bold, it's an emboldened act. Yeah. But it's not quite like
3: Aggressive. the worst yeah. thing in the
2: world. Worst, worst have happened. You know, like you know Rosa Parks in <laughs> jail for sitting at the you know front of the bus. So you know you're not in jail. You're just mad.
3: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: And the third level uh, changes every week. And so this week, it is mermaids, specifically black mermaids, specifically mm. white people's reaction to black <laughs> mermaids. The I just saw a TikTok today
2: that was like just the most fucked up thing I ever saw.
0: Like the, the <laughs> inability of to comprehend not even just that mermaids don't exist, but also like that even this thing that doesn't exist can't be black. Like no. you're willing to accept the mermaid. But once there's melanin involved, then we've we've reached the level that just goes beyond the ability to to accept it. And so this is this is a violence. Like this is a conscious choice to do harm, uh, because you know, like I, it doesn't really need a specific reason. Uh, but it, it is like the ultimate level of like the reasons racist. The, the reasons usually racist.
3: I have to pick that one. I have to pick the highest level, <laughs> only because I'm not Asian. So I'm not gonna, any answer less than that, I feel like it's me trying to decide whether or not some other group should be offended. Because let's be real, <laughs> as a That's black right. person, you're watching Gran Torino, you're kind of a third party observer on this yeah. on this discrimination. Like you you yeah. don't get to take lead on the, you can join in, like, yeah. Hey, come to the protest, but you know, just stand your ass a couple yeah. rows back. Like you can't be That's right. <laughs> at the front line. Yeah, you catch a stray, you catch a spook,
2: you
0: know, but you're
2: you're not. You know, I got up out of my chair a little bit off the spook. Yeah, because,
3: I mean, you know, know, I look at the lay of the land and the country when we look at, you know, hatred against Asian people and violence against Asian people. And you figure the root causation of it to just be people stubborn and racism and all of that. But as a black person, we always talk about all the shit that feeds into racist ideologies. But because I'm not Asian, Mm -hmm. I ain't ever set a moment and thought about, well, what are the ripple effects of a dude Mm -hmm. riding around in Detroit in a truck, just talking (laughs) shit to people? (laughs) And then you see that same dude, and then you see that same actor, excuse me, you see that same actor during a Republican convention talking that shit Mm -hmm. and supporting a lot of that shit that goes with the same shit that ends up getting Asians cracked over the head or worse. So, yeah. when you lay it out like that, this is 1,000% Black Mermaid, White Mermaid <laughs> option. 1,000%.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we, we will also go with that level. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have and, to agree on that. And specifically, just because, like you were saying, Glenn like, Eastwood has a history of making movies that, like, toe the line, you know, between, like... Not even just acceptability, but like he's he's really kind of pushing a specific macho image, and Correct. then in his later years now he's trying to make amends of some he want, sort. Of he wants you to like cry, last, macho. Yeah, the
2: he last wants you to couple of movies, macho cry macho. Cry, I didn't man.
3: see cry macho. I read the summary of it, and it's, it's very man on fire esque in a way. Yeah, mm. heel Billy mm. on fire, like very much. <laughs> one man versus a whole bunch of motherfuckers to save one motherfucker. movie so you know i can see it i just i respect here's what i respect about gran torino if we're gonna try i'm gonna try and say something nice i respect the fact that they added black people and called us spooks because okay you you wanted to make sure you spread the prejudice evenly we wanted to be clear this man doesn't just hate asian he hates all of (laughs) y'all Go back and write yeah. us a couple <laughs> pages where one of the Maori's husbands, Corey, <laughs> gets called a spook.
0: I thought Latinos were going to get off the hook, and then we got to the will, and he was I like, know. By the way, oh <laughs> let me God. let lest yeah, you Banner think you Wright? were safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. also, <laughs>
2: yeah, the uh, the what, uh, what is what's that job when you're uh, the
3: lawyer, uh, the state lawyer.
2: Uh, yeah. The estate lawyer, yeah. yeah, he he really doubled down, bro.
3: Yeah, he was like,
2: he "I you.
0: don't want to say it, but it's my legal duty to say every slur in this world." <laughs> <It is. laughs> um, well, we we usually end with recommendations and this week we're going to end recommending confess fletch which is roy's new movie which is now in yeah. theaters and is also available to stream i watched it yesterday it was very enjoyable if you really enjoy the old fletch movies starring chevy chase this feels like those movies this is like really in the same line as them i think I you guys did a great that. job really keeping. i appreciate that, that. try our best to honor the books um,
3: by gregory mcdonald man and Make a little caper movie and you yeah. know give it a little light and fun feel. Like nothing can be what '80s comedies were. There's no comedy that's been out in the past ten years yeah. that's '80s comedy level of heightened energy. So, like these are facts. I'll give you Will Ferrell's super bad Zoolander era. Mm-hmm. Like those comedies. But maybe
2: pro- that's like four movies in that era. Correct. Right? Like, yeah, four it's movies not, in that it, era. Top. Yeah, because even
3: forty-year-old version was kind of an overlap of those two styles, of what was like the big mm-hmm, jokes, right. and mm-hmm. then also the more subtle, more laid-back type of still a hard laugh, but from a different type of performance and different type of writing. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Well, right before you get out of here, please let everybody know where they can uh, find you, uh, what they should. My be looking name is for, in the description, so
3: just out. add an at sign and. <laughs> that's it that's me everywhere put a dot com on the end you want to go to the website do people still go to websites what do you do now yeah sometimes every, occasionally know. yeah at least the yeah, at least the know. Instagram
0: yeah my, my manager <laughs> hopes that uh. <laughs> that people go to websites so Cameron let everybody know where they can find you
2: at what you got going on uh you can find me at the Blipster 1138 on Twitter and IG still coming with the jokes um trying my best not to retweet any of this period and period of business um mm, that makes me sad that's really island island girl territory i don't like definitely that. island girl territory we, we was i saw somebody say uh we almost uh we're, we're tweeting her into a record contract we can't we can't take no, that back we when it happens. Have that. we, we so will not have I, that so we will not be having that um no. but other than that uh, yeah, find me there, Find me on Twitter and IG for some jokes and for, you know, more caucasity.
0: For sure. Uh, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JRSosa18, J-R-S-O-S-A-1-8. Samurai Sonia number four is in stores this week, so you can go and pick that up. Boom. Samurai Sonia Boom. number Flex, five is Flex coming bond. out next, week, or next month in October, so be on the lookout for that. And then um, Hell Sonia Red Sonia is coming out in December, so be on the lookout for that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at... White people won't save you, pod at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at white underscore pod. Um, but that's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back next week with more Cal Cassidy. Peace. Peace. You can't save us. We
2: don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved
1: Can't save us. We don't wanna be staying. Can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved.